0: If you take people with you in the journey, it doesn't feel like a a, a drastic change because you almost take step by step and you take that step together. When we were in the middle of COVID and we started talking, you know, people will only come to the office for the social factor, but you actually go for
1: focus time. Hi there, and welcome to the podcast No Stone Unturned from Savills. In this podcast, we will talk about the trends and developments in Dutch real estate, from hotels to offices and from retail to logistics. I am Charlotte Harmson, and in this episode, I'm going to talk about workplace strategy. What is the best way to design an office space? How do you keep it flexible? And how do you involve your staff to build the best office fitted to them? I'm going to talk about this with Raquel Machado, senior associate at M. Moser. Welcome, Raquel. Hi, Charlotte. Thank you for having me. You have a background in interior design, I saw. And what is the main thing to keep in mind when designing a workplace?
0: The people. I think in for every organization, the people are the heart and soul of it. So everything you do you do for the people to, you know, attract, to retain talent. So you really need to look at what are their needs, what are they looking for in an office space? And then, you know, cater for that. Cater to different demographics, but really try to make it about the people user-centric. How will they use the space? How can we enable them through the physical space to be their best? So that's, I think, actually the the main thing. It all goes around that, really.
1: And user. is that something that has a trend that has developed through covid and sort of labor shortages or is it something that you've seen from the start of your career not from the start of my career but also
0: pre covid there was already you know there was already that intention and we certainly were already uh, looking into human centric design um but i think now it's even it's it's even more of a, a stronger um approach um, especially with the new generation coming in, it really needs to be about them. It's, you know, the well-being and and there's a bigger war for talent too, I would say, for good talent. So there's a bigger importance in, in making sure that we are really looking at the audience, at the end users of each specific workspace and catering for that.
1: And of course, M. Moser um, is opening a new office in Amsterdam and you call it a living lab. Can you tell me what that is? yeah so th- w- just taking a step back, we've been doing the M
0: Moser living lab for just a little bit over six years, two thousand sixteen, yeah, I think over six years and it started in Hong Kong and it started from you know the um the idea of of really wanting to test design concepts, uh, you know workplace uh, strategies it could be you know sustainability initiatives, technology initiatives, different typologies or wanting to test furniture items and see what are people's reaction and behavior to it. So it really is like a, a a prototype ground for us. So we've now have done it, you know, we have it in Asia, we've done it in the US, we're doing it in Europe, we've done another one in Europe too, in London. So you also get different behaviors from different, you know, different cultures can react very different differently to the same thing. So it's really good to then share this knowledge. In the one that we're doing now in amsterdam we are uh, looking to do a low carbon fit out within a canal house building so really trying to use what is there starting with the building itself you know instead of going for a
1: new building we're just uh challenging ourselves a little bit more yeah and a new building a, isn't always the most sustainable solution yeah, of course yeah. and um as you say you're trying to build something that is low carbon. Uh, how do you start? Will you sort of strip the building from the inside completely, or is it a, m- a matter of reusing what's already there, maybe rearranging? Yeah, definitely reusing.
0: Um, so we went around the space and we saw what is here that we can actually, you know, either repurpose or reuse as it is. You know, maybe adapt a little bit. So, for example. There's a the, the the space has amazing uh wooden floor we are treating it instead of you know putting yeah it doesn't look you know it doesn't look the most uh polished floor it will not look perfect we're just accepting that because when we are when you are repurposing and reusing you can't expect it to look like brand new you just you kind of need to accept the flaws of the space and and live with it and, and if anything play with it a little bit so yeah we we are reusing a lot um, we're not building one drywall partition too. So we're really avoiding partitioning the space in, with something that is so fixed. And then what if you want to change the space? How do you do that? You need to, you know, tear it down, build another wall, build, you know, get another glazing in. So we're avoiding that too.
1: But we see that happening a lot of times. Of course, we had another guest, um, in an episode we talked about actually the unsustainable character of like fit out because. We see a lot of examples of like these highly polished high-end fit-outs that you just talked about. And then actually um, finding out that in practice it doesn't work. And the entire fit-out is taken out, thrown away, and a new fit-out is, is put in. So how does a living lab work? I think it's good that you're testing things, but how flexible is it? It will be pretty flexible because we are not designing it, um, how can
0: I say, completely. Or in other words, we are not um, over designing it, overthinking it. So we did our own workplace strategy. So we talked, you know, within our team, the The end users are also the designers, which is quite an interesting situation too. But, you know, we talked within the team with the designers, we talked, you know, with, with other um, people within the team that are not designers that work completely different. How can the, the space, you know, be the best for us? It's also the first studio that we as a team will be on here in Amsterdam because we've been we've been in a, in a, um, a service office, uh, right? So it's the first time that we're actually going to have our space. There's a lot to test there, a lot of behaviors to test. So we're leaving space for growth. We're leaving space to evolve. We don't know if we need more meeting rooms or if we need less. So why are we overbuilding? Let's start with one. See how that goes, and then we can think about if we need to add more. But we have phone boots, and we have different ones. So we want to, for example, that item. We want to keep exploring it. So we're not buying them. We're either getting them secondhand or leasing them, Mm -hmm. so we can keep testing them. And do we use more individual ones, or do we use the ones that you can fit two people or four people? So testing like that. Uh, Even in terms of the furniture we're using, a lot of it is on lease or secondhand, or so. it's items that we, we know we can repurpose, too, if we need to.
1: Um, so, yeah, it's really about um, testing. And you said in the beginning that uh, the people are, are, are the centre of the design. Of course, your people are also designers. So I, I can understand that they, they might have strong opinions on what works and what doesn't. Uh, how do you involve the em- employees in your own workplace strategy? Uh, We start, and I think it's, it's, it's aligned
0: with what we also advise organizations when we're working with them. So you really start definitely with a visioning, with the leadership, what is the outcome? What is the goal, the business goal of this, right? That, that needs to be defined. Where do we want to get? And, you know, timeline, budget, all of that needs to be defined, but then you need, you really need to bring into the fold everyone at different levels, you know, different roles. You need to bring those people into the fold and really start discussing how do we get to that outcome and how is this going to suit, you know, everyone, um, from, you know, an intern to a director to, you know, the, the space needs to be used, it needs to be inclusive for for everyone. So we start we start doing workshops, uh, we start testing things, we bring it to the table, we discuss, we then go back to our more technical team. So we talk with our IT team or our sustainability team or technology team. And we, you know, start really going into detail, is this going to work? What if we want to use this typology? How does technology work in here? Does this work? Is it sustainable this approach? So we we really deep dive on everything as a team, and we made decisions as a team too. So we bring everyone into the fold after defining the the outcome and what is the the business goal, and then we make the the decisions step by step. We make them together as a team, and we collaborate with our technical teams, the IT team, technology sustainability. But we also reached out in this particular case because we had done other living labs. Within our within our, uh, our organization, we also reached out for lessons learned. What have we learned? We're not going to be doing that in this one. We need to, to evolve from that. So, yeah, I think it's, it really is about making sure that when you do workshops, every voice is heard. You have the right people at the table. If you take people with you in the journey, it doesn't feel like a, a, a drastic change because you almost take step by step and you take that step together, right? So you're not really just opening the door and everyone is seeing the space for the first time and they're like, why have they done this? Is this going to work for me?
1: And in your experience, because I can also imagine where you do workshops or questionnaires with your employees, they have all kinds of wishes and they might be very different uh, based on their age, generation or culture or type of work that they carry out. And then when the, when the design, uh, it also has to work right on a technical, on a technological uh, uh, sense, um, if you involve everyone, aren't you setting yourself up for disappointing your employees? Because because you cannot answer on every need. Yeah, but you're not you you you're not answering on you know
0: individual needs. You answer you're answering to group needs and demographic needs. And and I think you know when you, we are in the workplace, it is also for us to manage how to filter what is what we call a wish and what is actually a necessity, a necessity to do your work. Um, but it's also good to have that conversation and for people to understand why some things don't move forward and why other things move forward. So I think that transparency is key. I think it's okay to say, hey, I know you've asked for this, but look, this is, this is not in the best interest of the whole team. Right, so we're going to go in this direction,
1: which is in the best interest of the whole team. But I that's think that, that's a very important point because when um, you look at occupiers who are transforming their office space, and of course, a lot of occupiers are doing that at, at the moment, uh, past uh, COVID and hybrid working, and you know, rethinking their workplace strategy. And how do you make the office so attractive that people actually want to come in instead of uh, working from home? But I think it also is a scary concept to uh, involve your employees because, uh, yeah, are you able to uh, accommodate their wishes? Uh, I think that's that's a fear that that lives in a lot of uh, our uh, occupier clients. I I think that shouldn't that fear
0: shouldn't be there. Um, I think that there are professionals, right, that you bring. To, to the table to help you with that. And if it's so, professionals, you know, like workplace strategists and designers and project managers to really also help with how are we communicating this to the teams and setting goals. So when you when you ask, you know, what are your needs, you're not asking for what are your, you know, personal wishes of how the space should be. You're asking for how can we best enable you to do your work, you know, to, to do the very best. And and you as a team I think it's worth having that conversation. And I think transparency is really key. People tend to understand uh, why something doesn't move forward or why something can't happen if, if you explain, explain it. it. <laughs> yeah. So all you need to do is it, it takes, it just takes the time. Mm-hmm. That's it.
1: And um, when you are testing out something, so you have the living lab, you have, for instance, a phone booth like this and a, work, uh, a meeting room like that. How do you um, pick up feedback and how do you test the results. We are analyzing each
0: material, we are vetting it. Is it certified? How is it assembled? You know, how are the materials sourced? How do you then produce this item? You know, how does it get to site? How is it transported? Who comes to bring it? There's a whole, um, how do you say, chain. Like, chain, yeah. Um, that you need to look in so at the end of this fit out we should have or will have a comprehensive analysis of carbon emissions for this fit out and that's what we're going to learn from that and we're going to be able to also see what can we do best where can we improve uh, what were the benefits you know what's the next challenge and also see how has technology supported as in this, you know, and there are things that we're doing, like, you know, we're really measuring the energy we're spending during the fit-out, but also then during occupant, occupation. Is there a waste somewhere that we can, we can learn from this, we can reduce? How are we using, we're installing solar panels. So how is this benefiting the energy consumption? You know, do we need more could we do it less. So
1: I think it's this it's a continuous iteration. In case of technology that's important because we have a lot of examples from really amazing smart buildings with which have you know in theory uh, such nice technology um in it but uh, the 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 tenants the users the end users aren't using it. So then, you know, that's a waste. So it's good, I think, to test your technology and to see, you know, is it the right fit for the people who will be using it? Is it not like too far or maybe, uh, you know, too simple? Um, uh, There's a sweet spot, um, I think, where um, you need something that's comfortable, right? So comfort is, is important for employees, but then also look and feel, sustainability, uh, is it uh, tech savvy? Things like that, and then somewhere in the middle, there's uh, uh, something that works, but it's difficult to, to that find that balance. Yeah. yeah, I think that's it. You know, it,
0: it's you said it better than I did. It's it's that's that's what we're doing, and it's not a, it's not always about. Obviously, we can do this. It's 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 you know, it's our business. It's what we do. So we need to test these things. It's not as easy for organisations to, you know, use their workspace to test, you know, you can create piloting areas, which is a really interesting thing to do. And we love to do that because clients go, oh, this worked or that didn't work. And then you translate that into the rest of the space. But we make our whole, but we are able to make our whole space a piloting. So... It's about doing different iterations. It's really testing. As I said, it really isn't about designing every single thing. So every, every thing is detailed and and sorted out. No, it's leaving space to make some mistakes, to learn from them too. I think that's really uh, important. And, you know, we're getting into a point that actually a low carbon fit out should not, you know, in a few years time will not be the exception. It should be the norm. So we have to start trying and, that we do have clients that are looking towards that already but we do have a lot of clients that are still a bit scared of taking that step because you know it, it's a bit unknown let's say so it's a good it's a good opportunity I think
1: occupiers are already looking at sustainable space so yeah. buildings that have you know certifications and things like that and the next step is looking at once you're in that building how are you going to fit it out in a low carbon way and use it uh, energy efficient I think we're going to take a break and go to some questions because um, I asked my colleagues to send in some questions for you and we're going to listen to the first one. Hi Rekel, my name is Caroline. I'm from the Occupier Services team. I have a question with regard to the floor plans. Pre-COVID we really noted that open floor plans was a new trend. Uh, however, we've seen that this is changing quite a lot and people are looking for more collaboration spaces. How do you experience that with your workplace analysis?
0: Okay, so yes, there was a tendency of open plan pre-COVID and you would go into the office every day. I think that's the main thing, it, it, you know, and, and that was reflected in the layout. There was a bunch of desks because everyone was in every day. And now you don't need that because you don't go in every day. So you don't need as many desks that, that gives you more space to create other typologies and to really address, you know, why are people coming into the office? I think when we left, when we were in the, in, in the middle of COVID towards the end, we started talking, you know, people will only come to, to, um, to the office for the social factor. Mm -hmm. I think we're past that a little bit. You don't, Just go that for the social factor. Yes, you go because, you know, you want to have a coffee, you want to have a meeting, etc. But you actually go for focus time. Mm -hmm. So I think the way the layout is changing is instead of having, you know, open plan desks and then flanked by meeting rooms, you know, maybe different size meeting rooms, that's pretty much it. And a T point, you're going to start to have more diversity in the typologies you have. And you have, you know, different ways of collaborating. Is it open, enclosed, is it lounge? And also different ways of focusing. Is it in a library room setting or is it in an enclosed phone booth? So I think that's what changes. I think it also aligns. I think we've, I think the COVID era, era really also... Um, made people think a little bit more about work-life balance, you know, and, and that's something that stayed with us and will stay. And that is something also that for the new generation, it is the norm. They don't know anything else. They they don't, will not understand what it means to go five days to the office, you know, same place every week. Same desk. Every day, same desk. So that's, that's gone. Um so it, it really, it really is. Sorry, I lost my
1: train of thought. Yeah. I was thinking of when uh, a couple of years ago uh, we started uh, working uh, flexible in the office. It was pre-COVID and um, I was a team of one back then. And I was the one that started having a fle- flex desk, but I was the only one working flexible. And I would come in the office and sit somewhere and someone would come in and say, why are you at my desk? And that's just a couple of years ago, but it seems like a, a whole nother a whole era, right? Not.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but yes, the layout will change. I don't think it's just for social. I think you come to the office to innovate, for sure. And that might mean meeting with people and brainstorming and problem solving. But you also might come to the office because you have, if the office is well designed, you will come in also to focus because you will have better conditions than at home. than at home.
1: Yeah. We have another question from our colleague Tom. Hi Raquel, uh, this is Tom speaking from uh, from the occupier services team at Savils. Uh, Really good to hear that you joined Charlotte during this new episode of the podcast. Uh, and I have a question for you. Uh, I believe a lot of the listeners uh, of the podcast are asset managers, uh, investors, or at least working from the landlord side. So, from their perspective, uh, what can they do best the coming years to facilitate in uh, in the changing needs of occupiers?
0: I think, from from the landlord point of view, um, there are still things that you can do, um, especially when you're talking about spaces where you have um, communal areas. Mm-hmm. When we talk about we talk about um, diversity a lot, and diversity in a way leads us to an inclusive workspace I think there are areas in the communal spaces that we can start trying to approach that a little bit too and if you're creating lounge areas and sometimes you even have some meeting rooms downstairs how can we diversify that a little bit too and how can we you know create spaces that will actually you know feel comfortable for you know wider demographics rather than just one or two um, i think it's definitely good to to also look at small small things and this is probably not super related with um with the uh, with the build um i went to a client's um New space the other day, and the landlord on the ground floor actually has a little self-service cafe, mm-hmm. and I I was really impressed because the snacks were healthy, you know, the drinks were healthy. I think things like this, you know, people can go; it's it's a self-checkout. You buy it and and you and you take it, but small things like this, I think, it really helps um, uh, pushing people towards the the well-being and and really looking after themselves. Um, and then there are other points like. If you are, let's say, a real estate developer, can we look at buildings that are already there instead of you know building new? It might be that that's the only option in some scenarios after you know an analysis. But what can we do with the buildings we have? Can we repurpose them? Can we you know, can we move them to a class a uh, class a uh, building standard? Um I think that said I think everything that we talk in interior, when we work with landlords we try to apply that and see okay looking at this specific building that you have how can we how can we make sure we're tackling these points and we're thinking about them
1: i think if i see an example like a trend in in our clients on the more building project consultancy team I've seen a lot of examples where the buildings were very closed off to uh, the outside world. Like you you walk past buildings, for in, instance, in Rotterdam, if you walk past the way, way I don't know if you know it. It was very closed buildings, like you couldn't enter it, you know. And you see a lot of work that we've carried out for landlords where we've opened up the ground floor and made it sort of more welcoming which is something that you can do and then maybe in the interior make it attractive to take the stairs or as you say a a nice uh, entrance area where you can meet uh, meet each other Um, do it yourself or 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 have uh, a service office provider take care of that reception area and uh, I think those are pretty uh, common examples and I'm I'm Also interested to see, you know, what else landlords will do um, from an inside interior perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then
0: obviously there's the other layer, which is, you know, services, you know, how, you know, how is the air quality in your building? Uh, I actually heard one of the podcasts you were talking about the sick building syndrome mm-hmm. you know that that's a real thing Yeah, I've been in buildings where I had to be there the day and I was starting to have headaches so I think it's looking at the um, at that and how is the building performing too because it might look beautiful and not perform so it really needs to be aligned on on both like having a, a healthy building <laughs>
1: I still have some difficulty seeing. I mean, I, I understand everything that you're saying, but it just seems like so much, right? If you have to think about flexibility, diversity, uh, the, the, the workplace being inclusive for your, for your staff, sustainable uh, in every uh, part of the chain. Um, yeah. Is, is, is it even possible? Yes. Again, I, I would go back to say the first thing you need to
0: think that that will bring all of that to the table and it will make sense is think about the people and that will cover everything. You'll know they will want to feel comfortable in the space. You will know that well-being is important for that. So what does that mean? You know, from a build perspective and from also, you know, an uh, an ongoing facilities perspective. What does that mean? And you'll tackle that. Sustainability is key. It's also, you know, it it won't be or it shouldn't be anymore uh, an afterthought. It's something that from the beginning, materials are select, the way you build, the repurposing of materials, all that should be at the forefront. And then you have the diversity. So we need to think that there's an array of benefits in terms of having a diverse workforce. You'll have a variety of point of views, of, of perspectives, of different backgrounds, different experiences that will really help when it comes to problem solving, when it comes to really innovating. And progressive uh, companies will want to have uh, a variety of thinking, uh, thinkers within their team. To retain those thinkers, to retain that talent, then you need to create an inclusive workspace. And and it's not that I think it sounds a little bit more scary than it is for some for some companies. It's not. It really is about uh making sure that in terms of accessibility, are we ticking all the boxes? Um, are we creating what how we were talking about a little bit earlier, are we creating rooms for pools? Are we creating spaces where people can let their, you know, personality come out a little bit? Are we creating spaces that people can you know slow down and find more quiet time and, and and just focus the key thing is that this should be seamless because what you don't want to do is segregate and say okay this is the the corner for the quiet ones and that is the corner for the loud ones right you, you need to make this seamless um but it's not
1: it's not that uh it's not that difficult it just needs to be well thought out We're already at the final question of this podcast episode, and it's the um, question that I ask all of my guests, and it's um, tell me about your dream project. Yes, so there's something that I've
0: always liked, uh, which is playing or with the senses. So I think my dream project would be to have a project where we can fully play with you know touch, smell, just. Really trigger the senses depending on the the behavior uh, you're looking to to get from from the people. So I think that would be a, a fully immersive, interactive space. I think that would be my uh, my dream project to test these things and see you know how can you when you are in a meeting room, how can what what kind of smell should you be, should you have in a meeting room and and what kind of sound and what kind of light and things like that. I think that would be it.
1: And then to test that with sort of how people feel in it or are they productive or yeah yeah test how you feel yeah like there's
0: so much to explore and we will I think in the future but you know color therapy there's a lot of things there in terms of the senses that it hasn't been tapped on yet
1: it's exciting right when you look at the office space uh, 10 20 years ago and then now there's and still so much more uh, to uh, explore Thank you, Raquel Machado, senior associate at M. Moser. Before designing an office space, involve your employees. Put the people first who actually are going to work there. And think about flexibility, sustainability, diversity and inclusion. Because for the younger generations, these factors are crucial. This was No Stone Unturned from Savels. Please subscribe to this podcast when you don't want to miss a thing. And give us a rating in your favorite podcast app.